Robert Crittenton is the Governor's Special Assistant for Health Reform Implementation, and he joins us now on the program. Robert Crittenton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. So uh, I'm first of all curious to know what your reaction to the bill passed by the House uh, on Thursday was. I assume it wasn't favorable. Yeah, I, I, first, I expected it to happen just because they have the votes to do a lot of things. Uh, I think that the way they've constructed the bill, it is, um, well, obviously, it's really problematic for people in the state of Washington. And so, you know, I, I hate the idea of having a bill like that floating around. It undermines Medicaid. It undermines care for developmentally disabled, for long-term care, and for all the people who got care coverage under the uh, the Affordable Care Act. So, no, I'm not happy with it, and I think, but it's also not law, and there's going to be a long way between now and before something passes and gets signed into law. Yeah, it's going to, obviously, it's going to have to go into the Senate and then go back to the House, ultimately. Uh, I'd like to talk numbers very quickly uh, Mm -hmm. about uh, what has been proposed and how it might potentially affect us in the state. And like you say, there's a long road for it, but um, in terms of what the bill currently proposes, uh, it's my understanding that it would leave hundreds of thousands of people without health insurance in the state. Is that right? Correct. What what they do is they start cutting uh, the available funds uh, starting in 2020. And by 2028, we expect about 600,000 people minimum will have lost coverage uh, just on Medicaid alone, just because of um uh, of the cost of doing it. They're, what they're doing is they're shifting the cost to the state. The state either has to pick up about a, a billion and a half dollars um, or they uh, have, we have to drop people. And given the, the, the tax structure we have in the state, which is very regressive and uh, right now a divided house as far as the House and Senate, the chances of us getting that kind of money is about zero at this point. And so we expect a huge, uh, either you know, a redefinition of what the uh, what the Affordable Care Act looks like, the Medicaid expansion, and that's not even talking about the people who are now on the um, the exchange itself. This is just Medicaid alone. In the exchange, we have another 160 to 200 thousand people who are potential losers in this. Well, it's sort of darkly ironic that the, the President Trump had said that uh, he would not touch Medicare, and yet, you know, like you say, this uh, actually would enact a, a very, very substantial cut to Medicare uh, all across the country. Uh, right. As we said, because it goes to the Senate next, um, I'm curious to know uh, how you and the governor are working with our two senators, uh, Maria mm-hmm. Cantwell and Patty Murray, to craft a strategy on how to possibly dismantle this bill in its present form. Well, we've worked very closely with the two offices, and they've been uh, wonderful to work with. They are going to be in very key positions. One is on the uh, Senate Finance Committee, and the other one is the Ranking on the Health Committee. And uh, both of those are the two key committees that have to uh, take this on. Uh, yes, we are talking to them, and we're working out uh, the strategies. Mainly our our task at this point is to provide them with the best information we can, and we're doing that. But also, you know, we have a lot of people back home around Washington who care deeply about these issues, and uh, they've, been, they've done a great job. You know, in this last round yesterday, uh, only one person in our state, one probably one congressperson, Kathy Morris Rogers, uh, voted for the repeal bill, part of the re- yes, the repeal bill, the AHTA. And so that, I thought, was uh, really uh, a 
testament to the hard work of the different constituency groups around the state who worked very hard with the other members, uh, letting them know that this is a, was a bad bill that caused major problems. If I may toot the horn of the Indivisible Movement, uh, the Indivisible Movement as well was uh, pretty active in terms of calling their representatives. Uh, I can speak for my district alone in District 8. Our representative, of course, is Dave Reichert. And uh, all day yesterday, uh, there were busy signals, <laughs> both in the, uh, the district offices and in D.C. And um, I, I'd like to think that it, uh, you know the pressure that they received from the constituents back home really made a difference. Um, Can I say something about that? Because I just want to speak strongly. I just think Indivisible uh, did a great job. I was at a, uh, an event, an Indivisible poll event, uh, event for in David Reichert's district. Uh, never seen anything quite like it. We had 400 people all focused and very uh, adamant about the the, uh, the rollback. <clears throat> and I think that kind of work and the work and calling and connecting with your representatives made a huge difference in this effort. So thank you. And I actually should point out that you're going to be uh, attending another uh, town hall event. Is that correct? Right. On Monday in Wenatchee. Terrific. And that'll also be an empty chair event since, as <laughs> we know, uh, Dave Reichert is not real fond of doing uh, town hall events, at least not in person. Um, I'm curious, just in closing, uh, because you work in healthcare reform, that's part of your title. How do you envision ideal healthcare reform here in the state? Ah, well, I mean, if you could organize it efficiently and effectively, you know, obviously having a, a much more streamlined system uh, would be better. Uh, the there are you know different models around the world. Um, uh, the first thing is you just we do better, and in fact, in our state, we do better when we have everybody. Uh, universally covered. I mean, leaving people off, you have to ask the question, why and who are you going to leave off? And we've done it on the basis of income and employment and things like that, and uh, it's a bad system. So, you know, the the question always is, is should we have a single-payer system or build on what we have or have a kind of a a hybrid? Uh, Probably, you know, it's obviously very effective to have uh, single-payer. The chances of us passing that in the short run in the state are pretty small. And I think what we know is that every health system, such as uh, England all the way to Canada to uh, Germany, all developed their systems based on what they had before. And I think what we will end up doing practically is building on what we have and then making a system that works. Um, So it's going to be ours is such a hybrid system. We're probably going to end up with a hybrid system. But is it the most effective and efficient it's clearly not at this point. Uh, and so are there better ways to do it? Yes. Uh, will we get there? And I'll say probably not for years. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly a fight ahead, as was made very evident uh, yesterday. There's a lot of work to do. But I want to thank you for your work. Thank you for your support of the Indivisible Group. And uh, thank you for joining us here on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate your work.